Thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis, and today we have Luke Glaze with us. Luke, what do you, how do you describe what you do? That's a great question. Uh, so I am currently the executive director at Salem for Refugees, and we are a refugee resettlement agency welcoming those who have been forced to flee their homes to uh, come here to Salem, Oregon, make a new home here. There you go. Yeah, it's excellent work. But let's uh, let's backtrack a bit maybe to what did childhood look like? Where'd you grow up? That type of thing. Yeah, uh, I was born and raised right here in Kaiser. Um, that's my, my home home area. I went to McNary High School and... Uh, go Celtics. Yeah, go Celts. I played football there and I went to Day Spring Fellowship um, all throughout my childhood and into high school. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, you moved through uh, after high school. What was next for you? Well, um, I graduated a year early and took a gap year and uh, was interested at that time in maybe working internationally. And so had an opportunity to move to the Dominican Republic and spent uh, a year there before going to college. Yeah, cool. Um, So life progresses. You're in the DR. You obviously came back at some point. And uh, what was next? Yeah. So um, had a, an opportunity to go to Biola University down in Los Angeles. So um, after that year, actually, I think I got home, had maybe two or three days to pack up my stuff and drive down in my old Volvo and drive down to college in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Was the Volvo your first car? or <laughs> It's actually my second car, okay. but my favorite car. It was there an old go. 84 Volvo. So, there yeah. you go. My first car was a uh, uh, 142. Oh, yeah. Old Volvo with a big dent in it. Yeah. But, uh, but it ran well. And in high school, when you got wheels and a license, you were a popular guy. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> wasn't super fun in Los Angeles without air conditioning, but, uh, <laughs> but I had that for three or four years there. Oh, man. Yeah. So... Um, so you're moving along, you uh, finish college, you head back to the big state of Oregon, and uh, what was what was life like then? Yeah, so uh, during college, um, I met my wife, my now wife. Uh, we dated um, and got married just after I graduated, and we decided to move back up here to Salem just for a little bit of a calmer pace of life, a start to our marriage, and still thinking of working internationally. So we thought this would just be a kind of a temporary stop in Salem um, before heading um, what we thought would be Latin America at that time where we wanted to work. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've been in a lot of different places in the world, but I still think the Wyoming Valley is one of the most beautiful places to live for sure. So yeah. yeah, it was a fun transition to see my wife move from Los Angeles life to Salem and just, <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she calls it, you know, a small town and she just loves the, the feel here. Getting, she's like, I can get to know everyone in this city. I'm like, well, yeah. 180,000. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so like what is let's jump forward maybe to what sure. you're up to now. Yeah. Uh what what does all that entail? How did it start, you know? Yeah. Um well, a big part of what kind of led me into the work I'm in now is actually what my wife and I ended up doing right after uh, we moved back to Salem. We ended up being sent by our church, Salem Alliance Church to work in the Middle East for about 6 years and um, just a great opportunity to work there doing international development. Um, and so 
after that period of time and coming back to Salem, just really wanted to use some of those giftings, um, uh, learned Arabic through that process, wanted to be able to have an opportunity to speak Arabic here. And we heard of this idea that refugee resettlement was going to be moving to Salem. This was probably about six, almost seven years ago now. Um, and it just lit something up in my heart and wanting to get involved. Um, at the time I was working at Broadway Coffee House and um, had an opportunity to kind of pitch this idea to start a social business that would target refugees who needed employment, but also English as a part of their kind of growth trajectory. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, for those of you who are familiar with, with Salem, then uh, the, the old unused warehouse uh, ran down next door to Sam Alliance. Uh, that became? That became Sparrow Furniture. Yeah. So it's still there. You're welcome to go take a look. There's a showroom right there on Broadway Street. Um, and yeah, so that I spent the last um, about five years working there, um, starting this business that uh, refurbishes furniture or builds custom furniture, um, using refugees as the the employee base there, training them in woodworking and uh, improving their English skills and then helping them launch into career jobs uh, in the community. So if you've been to Isaac's or Broadway Coffee House, Basil and Board, um, those are a few places that um, the interiors uh, were done by Sparrow Furniture. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. So uh, now a refugee comes from wherever they're coming from uh, to Salem. And then what does that look like for them? Yeah. So um, we now have a refugee resettlement agency in Salem called Salem for Refugees. And that's where I'm working now as the executive director. And so that organization is able to welcome um, refugees coming through the national system. So we work under World Relief, if you're familiar with that organization. Mm -hmm. And then we get to kind of choose our quota of how many individuals we believe we could resettle in our community in a given year. Um, Uh So that's how they end up coming to us here in Salem. Yeah. And then for them, uh, opportunities to... uh, learn language and and move forward in a culture and maybe uh, find employment, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So our team um, really centers around case managers who most of our team are refugees themselves who have come to the United States and now are giving back in this role. Um, And just as you could imagine, if you were picked up today and dropped off in a random country that you didn't know the language or the culture, you'd need a lot of support. And that's what our team does, getting uh, families connected to resources in the community, um, tutoring, English classes, getting kids enrolled in school, helping folks find their first jobs and, and apartment and all those things. So. Yeah, yeah. And it takes uh, it, it takes a lot of partners to help make that happen. That it, it, you mentioned just a second ago, like imagine dropping yourself off in the middle of another country. I mean, for our listeners, just think about that for a minute, the the challenges. I mean, I've done some, you know, short-term mm-hmm. uh, foreign missions, building houses in Mexico and this and that. And the language barrier, even when we needed some extra nails and whatever, right, going to a store is is a whole different experience, right? And exactly. so I picked up a little bit of Spanish, but uh, nowhere near comfortable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every little thing can end up being a challenge when language is a barrier or when cultures are are worlds apart, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a cool, rewarding uh, work that you're doing. Um, What do you feel like's uh, 
on the horizon? You know, what's what's moving forward look like for you guys? Yeah, well, we were really excited. We just purchased our building. It was the former uh, Capitol Press building, just one north um, of Broadway Commons. Um, and so that's just really exciting to see our organization. It's really grown a lot in the last year. Um, and being able to have a space like that to call home. We call it a welcome center, so our families can drop in at any time, meet with our staff. We have a huge donation warehouse there where we're able to capitalize on the in-kind donations from the community, and it's just a great spot for us. So that's that's what we just completed. And then I think what we're most looking forward to is an idea of building affordable housing with uh, refugees specifically in mind. Um, we're working on a, a property at um, New Hope Church on the mm-hmm. corner of Swiegel and Corden. Um, they are uh, interested in donating about three acres of land uh, that could be used for refugee housing. So wow. we're just kind of getting the ball rolling on that, uh, working to, to meet with the city soon to get their first look at our concept. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what, uh, so it, it takes money to do all these things, right? <laughs> and so where does uh, the different sources of funding, you know, come from? Yeah. So uh, we're fortunate. We have a, a lot of different funding sources. Um, our kind of main work that we do is federally funded. Um, and then we also have some state contracts to extend that beyond what's the 90-day resettlement uh, program from the feds. We then can extend that beyond and provide some additional support to families because we all know that 90 days is not <laughs> enough to adjust to a new country. No. Um, so those two sources, and we definitely have a lot of community support, um, both from individual donors, our faith partners, as well as uh, f- uh, philanthropic uh, you know, charities and grants and things sure. like that. Yeah. So this uh, housing development would definitely stretch us uh, beyond anything we've done in the past, but it's also a vision we're very excited about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, What would you say is different about what you're doing than maybe as you entered into it? Like, you know, we have a a perception or an expectation of what that'll look like to go do X, right? Yeah. Um, I would say in my most recent transition from Sparrow over to Salem for Refugees, um, I thought I was uh, switching over into a role that was going to be taking something that was very well established and stable and just kind of leading in that new environment. And um, it was very established and a great organization to jump into, but we just experienced um, unprecedented and unprecedented growth in the last um, year and a half that I've been in this role. Um, as we became an official resettlement agency, that increased our number of arrivals. And then unfortunately, due to a couple of world crises, um, our office saw hundreds of Afghans coming um, and now multiple hundreds of Ukrainian individuals that we're serving that were not um, expected, that were not planned for. And so it's just caused our staff to just grow. I think when I came on, I was the seventh employee of our organization, and now we're at 18 and just a little over a year. So doubling in growth, purchasing a building, (laughs) moving, (laughs) all of that uh, transition was not at all what I expected it to be. Yeah. So, I mean, there's many facets to personalities and that type of thing. And so I I know one harsh black and white bucket we like to say is either, you know, you're either an extrovert or an introvert. And so for maybe some of you uh, introverted uh, folks or risk averse people Mm -hmm. versus risk takers, right? You're thinking, my gosh, hundreds of people and buying an office and now you want to 
double down and and you know and maybe get into housing and and all that like uh why in the world so some of our listeners would be like why in the world would that guy do that you know yeah i i ask myself that sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i've always been someone led by vision and i think our staff is very much that way and we we talk to any of our new hires that, hey, this is like coming into a startup. Um, that's how we want it to feel. Um, we're building systems as we go, and we want people to have that ultimate mission and vision in mind that leads our work. With that said, I'm like right on the fringe there of extrovert and introvert. Mm-hmm. I definitely love uh, time alone. And so um, even though it seems like a lot of busyness, it's also trying to find those rhythms for rest for our staff and for myself, um, you know, family time, all those good things of balance. Because we don't want to be an organization that just burns through our staff. And that unfortunately is true of most resettlement agencies nationwide. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, and I'm sure maybe more heightened in resettlement, but in ministries in general, uh, in some organizations, um, the the purpose of the organization, it will take every bit you'll give it. <laughs> yes. And, and and although we want leaders like you to uh, help people think through those things, we also have to create our own boundaries, right? And try to find those those rhythms and stuff. And so I know, uh, let's see, you're married. You got how many kids? Yeah, I've got two kids, River and Shepherd. Uh, yep. One's at Parish and one's at Grant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's why I strive to find balance. Yeah. Um, make sure I'm home with my boys, you know, yeah. active in their lives, engaged despite being busy and hopefully having my kids see that, um, kind of the mission and vision as well and why I'm engaged in the work that I am. I have gotten much, much better as I've gotten older in unplugging and being present yeah. with my wife, being present with my kids or being, you know, being available. And so, uh, this is maybe uh, more information everybody's asking for, but just in this last year, I've developed a habit. When I come home, I walk directly into my bedroom and put on pajamas mm-hmm. and there's no more chances of me going back out, you know? And so yeah. it helps me also just to shift into, uh, I am home, yeah. you know, <laughs> not to say that occasionally I don't answer a text or something, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's, so that's just one of those things of a, maybe a discipline or a rhythm that I've created in my life that has helped me be more present, you know? Yeah. And so maybe what is, uh, what's something that you do maybe to, to help with that? Yeah. I think a lot of what, um, what we've focused on is kind of having our world in a, a small nucleus, let's say. So I work about two blocks from my house. Uh, my kids go to school about two blocks from where I work. Um, so everything is just really close and connected. It makes um, jumping over to school during the school day really easy mm-hmm. if I need to. Um, it also means that I'm not spending hours in a commute each day. Oh my, um, so yeah. I'm able to be maybe a little bit more productive in the day and still get home and have quality time. Um, and then I think similarly to what you mentioned is just making sure I'm not having too many other competing priorities, right? So we keep our, our evenings and our weekends fairly simple. We don't overcommit to lots of activities. Um, we want to support our kids, but we also want to be, be present and um, just have time as a family as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so yeah, we're, we're similar in that way. I, I, I live a mile and a half, uh, well, maybe less than a mile, uh, mm-hmm. from this, from our facility here at the rec where we're recording the show. And, uh, 
yeah, both our kids live locally. And mm -hmm. so, of course, they're grown adults and live on their own, but they also live in Salem and Kaiser. And so it's pretty cool that we still have so much access to each other and so on. So, I mean, I don't... I don't put a lot of miles on my car. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, how about uh, growing up? I mean, I, I know your dad and mom, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, fairly well through church relationships and, and that type of thing. Like, wh what's something that you gleaned from them uh, mm -hmm. that, that you recognize in, in yourself? You know? Yeah. Well, lots of things, obviously, sure. but. Um, I think the thing that comes to mind right off the bat is just work ethic. Um, you know, growing up, I like to tell people stories from my childhood and they're like, oh, that's an interesting like uh, money management tool you learned or something. <laughs> but um, I think one of the ones that sticks with people is um, we would get an allowance as kids, but uh, we wouldn't be allowed to receive the allowance unless we had a job. And so from a very early age, that meant it, I could be making, you know, $2 at my job as an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, but I had to have a job if I was going to receive the much better allowance from my parents. And so um, from an early age, that pushed me into entrepreneurship and, um, you know, knocking on doors in my neighborhood, walking dogs, I think was my starting job, and then went to, you know, pet sitting and then lawn mowing. And <laughs> But as long as I was working some side hustle, um, then I would also receive the allowance from my parents. And so... Um, to this day, I feel like I'm I'm never really worried financially because I, I know that I'll hustle to do whatever it takes to provide for my family. And I feel like all work is valued and nothing is beneath me. And I, I feel like I've learned that um, growing up as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so for those of you who, who know uh, Luke's dad, uh, I, I guess, you know, I had the longtime financial and CPA firms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So here in, in Kaiser, Johnson Glaze and that. Yep. And so, yeah, he's retired now, what, about a year and a half? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he's uh, been enjoying retired life and volunteering in, in some ways. So he was at Sparrow Furniture, uh, still is as a woodworking volunteer. My mom uh, teaches English there. So they've enjoyed just kind of plugging into the work um, that we're up to here in Salem, as well as my brother who lives down in uh, Northern California. They go down there often and spend time with his family and get involved in his uh, work and ministry as well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, what would you say the biggest challenge you have in in either your op, you know, and what you're doing as a role, or yeah, yeah, I think. Our challenge relates to that strength of of growth and kind of entrepreneurism is just making sure that um, we grow at a sustainable pace. Um, it's something as our leadership at Salem for Refugees is always very cognizant of how do we how do we grow so quickly and yet also uh, maintain the mission and vision. How do we um, maintain the value we have in our staff? Um, so we're always looking for ways to do that. Uh, most recently, we just um, about a month ago took our staff on a couple nights over at the Oregon coast. Um, and the last, I think last year when we did this for the first time, um, it, for a lot of our staff, it was their first time as many uh, were recent arrivals themselves. <laughs> right. And uh, it was their first time to the Oregon coast. So um, just a great way to show our value for our staff, get a little bit of time of rest and relaxation. And then we can go into this busy season, which we're entering into right now with um, better relationships, um, better rest and um yeah, hopefully not seeing that same level of burnout that we see because it's a hard, it's a hard job. You're carrying a lot of weight and responsibility for families, for kids, um, 
and we take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Pioneering uh, things isn't always easy, right? I, uh, I hear Bruce Stefanik, our pastor at Church and Hill, in my head, you know, that, you know, you're hitting hard ground with a pickaxe and you just keep smacking it and smacking it and it begins to loosen. And there's that point where it starts to really, you know, soften up and you start making some real headway, which is where you guys are at, right? And uh, we hope we never forget the startup vision and, and all that. Uh, but um, I, I know you're just a, a smidge, and I, I think you're a little bit like me in this case that we wouldn't be okay with just a nice, smooth, 14-employee, you know, 100-volunteer thing. Because if if we're doing the right thing, if we're doing something that we think matters and changes people's lives, why wouldn't we want to help, you know, and impact more people with it, right? And so, exactly. Yeah. So that's where it's worth stretching yourself and taking mm-hmm. risks and, you know. And we know that the city of Salem will have a certain capacity, right, for resettlement. There's a number of families that could come into our community, be resettled well, and if we push that beyond that threshold, it probably isn't good for our community. It won't be good for the families arriving. And so even now that's caused us to consider um, expansion. And so we're working now with Corvallis for refugees. Actually on Wednesday, our first family will be uh, moving to Corvallis. And we're starting very similar to how Salem for Refugees started, this grassroots. um, Right now, I think there's around 70 volunteers trained, um, no staff. Um, It's all volunteers at Mm. the moment. But we do hope that that would grow into a sister site there in uh, Lynn Benton County. Um, So that's, it's again, yeah, what can... What can our staff handle? What can the city of Salem handle? And then also, is there ways that this model could grow and expand beyond even our city? Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. How about, uh, are you, I know your mom's musical, uh, you know, worship leader and all that. How about you? Like, do you, is there a particular genre of music you listen to or? Oh, great question. I like a lot of different things. Uh, Tiny Desk Concerts on NPR is where I get most of my music. I like discovering and kind of exploring new genres, new artists. Um, So that's where I like to kind of listen first. And then when something strikes a chord, then I'll add it to my, you know, playlist. Um, I myself am not super musical. I was all throughout high school and college. I played the bass in a number of rock bands and things. Um, but after traveling, it was not very convenient to travel with the bass and amps and all those things. <laughs> right. So I kind of stopped. Um, but my kids are. I got uh, my oldest is playing the flute and saxophone, and my youngest just decided to pick the stand up bass. So. Um, yeah, that's a, a bear to haul to and to from school. school. <laughs> as, a, as a, what, a middle schooler or an elementary uh, He's elementary, elementary man, yeah. things like a foot, two feet taller than he is. Yeah. yeah that's Got his funny. backpack strapped to his front and the base on his back and waddles into school. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like growing up, I told my kids, listen, play piano, play guitar, play golf. You know, because you'll be able to do each of those things pretty much your whole life, mm-hmm. right? At at a at a decent level, you yeah. know. And so, uh, they they each do two of those three things, and uh, neither has taken up a, a love for golf. And uh, I I only go four or five times a year, although uh-huh. I really enjoy it. I wish I'd uh, I say I wish I had more time, right? But <laughs> it just comes down to making those choices, yeah. right? You know. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, but you never really know, right? As parents, you're just adding some kindling to some opportunities and and helping them navigate what their passions and their proficiencies are, and uh, you know, and then yep. 
just helping them uh, make that stuff happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right now they're at uh, Capital Football Club in their rec program playing soccer as well. And there that's been go. a, a big yeah. passion of theirs these last couple of years. Yeah, good old Colin Box and his team. They do, yeah. a, they do a phenomenal job at Capital Football Club. Colin's been on our show before. Colin, I consider a good friend and a, a, a strong community leader, you know, and so they do They're actually work. Uh, working on a, a refugee summer camp there, the soccer camp. Nice. That they're going to put on and kind of co-hosting that with us at Salem for Refugees. So yeah, excited about that. I don't know. I guess this is maybe not public knowledge, but we're working on a couple opportunities uh, with uh, Kevin Mannix and a few folks to provide some practice space and whether it's lacrosse and soccer over at the East Salem Community Center property and stuff. So that's uh, awesome. That's the thing. You just have community-minded people and you you pitch an idea and and. If you have the right passion behind it and, and it has merit, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're in a community that, that really helps things happen, right? Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, so. we could not do the work we do without so many community partners. I mean, we would do a certain level of service and then it would just kind of drop off. But when we're able to refer, uh, we've got high schoolers tutoring at Willamette University um, with, you know, they have college student tutors who are working with them. We've got great English programs throughout our city that we refer clients to, um, you know, feeding programs. There's just so many resources in yeah. our community, and we couldn't do it without everybody. True, true. So if people wanted to reach out to you, you know, they're listening on the radio or listening up on the podcast, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, you could email me at luke at salemforrefugees.org. Um, you could drop into our Welcome Center at 1400 Broadway Street Northeast. Um, we'd love to see you there and give you a tour. Um, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Cool. All righty. Well, thanks for listening today to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring. And you can reach us at 11 a.m. on Saturday mornings on KSLM or on your Google, iPhone, Spotify, any other uh, podcast platform. We're available. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.